Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Tune the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the mums, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. Having, yeah, just the Black Country blokes chewing the fat with me, Kev Dillon, Lee Cabman, and Craig Bridges. And our special guest tonight is Sean Griffiths. As Sean come on in the studio back in the real world uh, last year, and he's been working with the mental health industry for the last couple of years, well, fair few years now. So I'm going to pass it over to him, actually, tell us what his role is and how we got into the game. So, Sean Brook, thank you ever so much for coming on again. How did okay. you get started? How did you get started with all this? Well, I started. Um, well, I was I was going from job to job really, and uh, my sister said to me, she said, "Oh, have you thought about uh, mental health nursing?" And because she was in learning disabilities at the time, so I thought I'd have a have a look, see see what I thought, and. When I started looking into it, I always wanted to do something as a job where you make a difference, where you're not just you know, kind of behind a desk or something like that. So I started looking into it and then started applied for university and did the, the course. And then I uh, started working in Birmingham where I started as a staff nurse on a, what's a, called psychiatric intensive care unit. I worked there for about six years and then I moved on to street triage, which is with police and ambulance where you go out to assess people on the street or in their homes and then signpost them onto our services. And then I worked in bed management where and I worked on projects as well as a clinical lead to look at technologies and how introduce those into mental health services and stuff. And um, Recently, just moved to work for NHS England and Improvement, where I'm a mental health improvement senior manager. So we kind of look at mental health as a whole in systems around, because it's a national team. We look at um, systems and providers and regions and look at how they're delivering mental health services and look at how they can make improvements to improve patient care and improve productivity and things like that. And have you noticed a massive change since you've been starting and where you are now, actually within mental health in general? There's a big, been a big change, I, I feel. Um, when I first started in mental health, there was so little understanding. It was, you get you get like, uh, people say, oh, well, you work at the funny farm, you work with the nutters, you know, and, and that kind of, and it was, there was just so little understanding and people didn't really talk about mental health. It was kind of like swept under the carpet, even like people's families and stuff. It was like, there was so little understanding around it that, um, you know, there really wasn't the support for, for mental health patients and people that were suffering mental health. And there was a lot of mental health issues that kind of went under the radar. And people didn't really get support until it got really serious and then, and then people ended up in hospital. So there's been, it's come on leaps and bounds, really. And the awareness now is, is so much better that people can, you know, they feel like they can talk about mental health. 
I don't feel like it's something to be ashamed of anymore, which is really good because then the more people that talk about it, the more that, 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 that can get the help and the more that services can help people. Because that's what like that's what mental health nurses go into doing mental health services. Like they want to help people. They want people to come and seek help. And nowadays, people do. But I mean, I'm no, say you... sorry, bro. Carry on. But I was just going to say, like that, as, as things change over the years, you've seen like when I first got into mental health nursing, and saying about like we've last time I was on about drugs and stuff, and people did like smoke cannabis and you'd see lots of people coming in with cannabis um, induced psychosis and stuff like that and then these days you kind of see seeing a lot more people that come in smoking like smoke spice and mamba and and stuff like that and it, it's it's just so different <laughs> you used to get guys or, or, or girls that came in and there was like paranoid about about what's going on through like kind of drug induced psychosis, but now when they come in with on spice, it's a totally different kettle of fish. You just see they're just at, at like just so elated, so confused, they're just all over the show. And then like two days later, it's like gone. It's just, it's it, it, you just see like so you can see such a change in people that you you look at the when they first come into hospital, you're thinking, what are we going to do with this person? You just kind of a loss, and then two days later, it's out of the system and the fine. Whereas with cannabis use, have that kind of longer term um, issues with your mental health. Are you finding a lot more people smoking spots? Because I know when you go out in the bed, there's a massive, massive um, uptake in the use of cocaine, isn't there? Do you see long effects from that? I think one of the biggest you don't see much with with cocaine, to be honest. Um, you you see a lot of when people kind of get themselves in trouble around co- cocaine, uh, as opposed to like the mental health and, and stuff like that. When you know it's they can't afford it and stuff like that. They don't tend to get a lot of people that come in to hospital through cocaine use. It, it's it's more around how the use affects their life, as opposed to like with heroin and stuff when you become dependent on it and you need to go into addiction services. But cocaine, I mean, I remember going back quite a few years now when I was um, doing my training and I did a placement with a, what was called the Drug Intervention Programme. It centred a lot around um, heroin users because basically what it was was someone that if you was arrested and then tested positive for Class A drugs, then they... Kind of, they got you into this drug intervention program as an alternative to the criminal justice system, so to try and get you off drugs. So you get a lot of people that were on heroin that was shoplifting and stealing to feed the habit. But occasionally, I mean, the one guy we saw, it was cocaine, was, was his main issue. And he came through the courts, and this guy had yeah. a really good job. As a, a, if it was like a head mechanic somewhere and he's got a really good job, he was earning quite a lot of money, he'd saved money to buy a house and 25 grand had just gone in six months just through cocaine use and he just, just he'd like to say, just, just destroyed his life and he, he just like said, I've got nothing now, girlfriend's left me, I'm in now of court, I'm, I may lose my job, 
lost all my money. So it's things like that more that, that you see the the effects of things like cocaine. But like you say, but when when you see people when they're going out and you you see them getting arrested and stuff because they've done something stupid, got in a fight or something like that. But it's it's a different like scene when you see people going out these days because they're taking other stuff as well as drinking. I was talking to a friend the other day and we were saying, like, um, with everyone, like, the uptake of drugs, like, staying in and you you haven't got the money for your drugs, so you put it on tick, you know, you strap the drugs and you pay and then you're not earning, so you get some more drugs in, more drugs. And the amount of debt some people must be in at the moment and just said, I'll pay you back when I'm back at work, I'll pay you back. And I bet it's thousands. And then you're losing your sleep because you're on the gear. And then you're panicking, so you get some more gear. And then the bill is just going up and up and up. And you can see why these people, young and old, are taking their lives because of that pressure. Yeah, that's the thing with any drug. It's 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 feeding habit. And with any drug, if you've got a substantive habit, there's not many jobs that you can get that you're going to be able to function and feed a, a, a high-cost habit. So then it's like, what do you do? Do you get yourself in trouble? Do you take out loans, get credit cards to get by? And uh, Or like you said, you, the dealers are all have it on strap and then you're getting more trouble. Or do you go out and steal? Mm. Do you go and break the law? Because that's one of the big, like, biggest issues when you look. I mean, my wife works in the probation service and talk to her and the amount of people that, that she's supervising that you, you say oh well, what, what was the what they get in prison for oh, stealing oh was it drugs yeah because there's a freedom habit quite a prison and back back on it again and um you see well, when i we used to assess people on street triage and it's sad really it's really sad when you see you used to see people that I mean, there's this one girl and she'd been arrested like 30, 40 times. And she she'd she got into prostitution, she was on heroin, and she she had mental health problems, but because she was on drugs, it's like chicken and egg. What are you gonna address first? Are you gonna look at the mental health? Are you address the drugs? And it's like, which one do you go for with first? And you get drug services saying, oh, we don't think we're going to, like, we're going to struggle with your drug stuff because of your mental health. And then mental health saying, well, why are you on drugs? We're going to struggle to address your mental health. So where where do you go? And you could see, like, through custody photos when she was young and she's, like, 17. And you could see now when she was, like, I mean, she was only, like, 28, 29. She looked like she was in the 40s. You could just see the deterioration over the years. It just it's just really sad. You can see like this young pretty girl that just it just over the years it just looks terrible now and it's just it's just really sad that, that that's kind of taken over her life and just like wrecked it really. I suppose as well, Sean, it, it's there's quite a few people who have started drugs because of their mental health to get away from it as well. Yeah. Yeah, the self medicating. Hmm. That's what that's what we get used to a few a few lads that I used to nurse on the wards that were taking cannabis because they had voices. 
so the technical kind of is to cope with the voices and then that make him more paranoid. So it's just like a cycle that they they struggle to get out with out of sorry, and then it's just you try and try and help them. You just get guys that come in and to get my medication, you get them well. Totally different person, not paranoid at all, no voices. Discharge them, straight back on the weed, straight back in the hospital. Some, I mean, some people, they'll smoke weed all their life, or most of their life, and they'll be fine. Other guys, they'll have one spliff, and that's it. All voices come back, they're really paranoid, think someone's after them, and and then they, they, they need help. But it's, it's that kind of trying to get that um, insight, say, if you keep smoking weed, you're going to keep coming in hospital. If I think that goes for everything, doesn't Sorry, Sean. I think that goes for everything, doesn't it? If, you, if you've got an addiction to, to pretty much anything, it's going to turn bad. But there is certain things that you can do all the time and it doesn't really bother you. You know, it doesn't yeah. affect you. You know, whether that be alcohol, cocaine, coffee, you know, it's yeah. it's not limited to weed as such. That's no, what's good. No, That's no, what, no. What, what to talk to Sean about, because like last time we were talking about Spice, and a lot of our parents now are thinking, well, God's name, Spice, but it, it's become like the new heroin. So I'd like to talk to us a bit more about that. And then we'll come on to alcohol. You know, alcohol, you know, a lot of us live with alcohol. I mean, no one likes to bloody drink more than me. But we'll come on to in a bit. But could you explain to the people who don't know much about spice what what actually is, please, and how addictive it is? Well, spice basically came from it's it's like a it's a sympathetic cannabis. So I would say maybe ten years ago, maybe not that long. But certainly when I was working on on the wards and um, on street triage, it became very prevalent. Around 2014, it became really prevalent. Where initially you had synthetic cannabis and what are called legal highs. So you could go online or go to a shop and buy synthetic cannabis or synthetic, they did like synthetic ecstasy and all sorts of stuff. But what they do was, at the time, the law, it wasn't legal to smoke these synthetic cannabises. So they, what they do is, when they made one illegal, they'd slightly change the composition of it, and then you could release it again, and it was legal again because it's not the same. It doesn't come to the same drug. But then they came out and said, right, we're just going to ban all of these legal highs and synthetic cannabis and ban them all. But the mamba and spice was still, that was basically still producing it, but then it's gone underground, like. Like cannabis and what, and the sell it. So, so you've got people dealing it, and it's uh, illegal. So it's a very cannabis, but you just see people that they're taking a little bit, smoking a little bit, like they might get like a joint between four or six of them. You just see them passed out, just totally passed out. Or you see, I've seen them when they go totally the other way, they're just flaring around trying to start fights with everyone. And they're just absolutely uncontrollable. So it, it, it can go like kind of either way. One of the biggest issues, I'm not sure if it's exactly the same now, was that if you OD on heroin, 
they can give you a drug to reverse that. They can take it to hospital. If you were ODing on Mamba or Spice, they couldn't even detect what you'd have. And because there's so many variations of it, there's no treatment. I was just literally putting them to a side room and letting the, the, the drug come out of your system. That's all they could do. But obviously, if someone's flaring around and really high and really uncontrollable and difficult to manage, then it's like, what are we going to do with this person? Because they're presenting like a highly psychotic, highly high-risk patient or person, then that's the, the way that they go down. Because they say they're under something, like whether it's their mental health or under the influence of a drug that's affecting their mental health. So then they go down the same route as someone that's psychotic. But you know when like uh, when you like say someone's on it, do they do they uh, is it like going cold turkey like heroin or is it? Do you know what I mean? Like if I've got to come off it, will I go for the same trauma as like if you're coming off heroin? Does that make sense? I don't think it has the same addictive properties that that heroin does. Um, it has it's more like kind of um, your, your ecstasy or your cocaine that people want to get that get high you don't have that like kind of physical dependency that you have on like heroin and um, and uh and alcohol it's more like kind of you get those physical withdrawals i think they get a bit but not like like you would if you um heroin if you're addicted to heroin and then you try and come off that cold turkey but it's it will make you feel bad heroin you feel horrendous but it's not gonna kill you if you just stopped cold turkey. Whereas you could with alcohol. If you if you're addicted to alcohol and your body's dependent on it, you just stop. Then you real risk your blood pressure go really really low and you have seizures and stuff, which is not nice to see. I've seen someone that's withdrawing, and it's it's, it's not nice. Not a nice thing to see when someone's that that unwell. People forget that with the booze, I don't know, because you know, we all like a drink and what we forget is you think of an alcoholic as in I wake up, spill some uh, whiskey or have a couple of cans, go to work or drink in my dinner break. But it can be a it can be a, a silent killer, can't it? With the booze. Yeah. Because it affects so many different parts of your body, doesn't it? You know. You you're affecting your heart, you're affecting your liver, you're affecting lots of your organs and your body get, becomes dependent on it. And also you see people like put on weight and stuff like that. And it's, it, alcohol costs the NHS so much each year. If it be through people that are alcoholics and dependent on it or people going out and get getting absolutely smashed and, and ended up at hospital or the multitude of fights that happen on Broad Street as well every Saturday night, well not at the moment, but usually but and the long term effects that it has on your body in the NHS, it's it, it's really up there with the uh, the amount of financial strain on the NHS. What's the condition what, what's the what's the condition where um an alcoholic mother as a baby, I can't remember the name, alcohol fetus syndrome. Yeah, it's a fetal alcohol syndrome, isn't it? Something like that. 
do, do you um, know enough about that? I don't know a lot so, about that because we didn't. I didn't really deal much with that. But um, yeah, I know, I know that it like it exists and it can be a, a big issue. Uh, so it's same with heroin, isn't it? If uh, mothers taking heroin and bad can be born opiate dependent, which uh, I can't well, imagine is very nice. No, couldn't could you? But you know, if someone like if uh, people out there are thinking like um, either I'm an alcoholic or uh, my husband, wife, or you know, what what advice would you tell them about doing it? Because your natural instinct is, for God's sake, Kevin, stop. But that that stop all in one go could be fatal, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's about how much you drink. If you're drinking every single day and you're drinking significant amounts, that you're waking up and you get withdrawals, you're shaking, uh, you, you know that the only thing that's going to stop you shaking and feeling terrible is another drink, then it's about seeking medical advice first before you do anything. Because they may say, right, this is what you tell, if you get to GP or contact your GP, so this is how much I'm drinking. And they'll be able to give you advice and safe the safe way to stop. Because there's there's medications that you could take that will uh, imitate the the effects of alcohol on your blood pressure and stuff, so it stops you from having those withdrawals. So you can take medication to help you stop drinking. But definitely, always be careful. Always very careful with anyone that if if someone's drinking every day and they feel like they depend on it to just stop isn't a good idea you need to be able to do it safely and seek medical advice so that you that you can do things safely and not just stop i mean by all means look at cutting down if you're drinking every day and say oh i'm having like five four or five cans every day then you know cut down four then three then do do you start cutting down and doing that and then seek medical advice. But there's, there's lots of services out there, whether that be just getting advice, I'm sure there's some on the internet, but um, through GP and each each area has um, alcohol services that can help you with those. And I'm, I'm not sure if it's still Aquarius around here, but it used to be. Well, people forget that about the booze. Don't they? Because you'll you'll see a drug addict, and it's very easy to judge. <clears throat> but because we were a, a very drinking people, the British, we forget about the devastation it can cause. Yeah, and, I mean it's not just the person itself; it's the people around them as well, and how it affects your whole life. You know, there's lots of people that can get get by. You can get by on day to day. There's lots of functioning alcoholics that hold down good jobs and then comes to the night and have a bottle of wine each night. You know, there's there's lots of people but it's it's how it affects your mood as well and how you feel and I can imagine if you're addicted to alcohol and you need to have a drink and you wake up each morning feeling like you'll have a drink but you know you've got to go to work and you've got to work and you wait until that five o'clock comes. Because imagine by the time you get to three two, three o'clock in the afternoon you're probably a bit ratty because you were drawing and you're thinking oh i need i need my drink now and you know if you that's 
you straight straight into it and each night affect your relationships as well it's uh, not a good place to be uh, Craig is there anything you'd like to chime in with just unmute my mic mate because I don't know how these earphones are going to sound you see um, you yeah, sound I lovely think... oh lovely mate <laughs> that must be doing me a favour then um, <laughs> you know even with there's a couple of points one is Obviously, the drug side of it, it amazes me how a lot of these drugs, I mean, when, when you suffer depression, is sertraline and, you know, stuff like that that, that are uh, handed out to you now. But a lot of these drugs are now recreational or what addicts use um, and, and get addicted to. They were, they were once medicines. And it always amazes me, at, at like heroin and stuff like that, op- opiates, they... They started off as a medicine, even cannabis. And now you said before how some people are fine with it, some people are not. Some people, if they have weed, they get worse. Some people, they get worse if they don't have weed. And it, it's just testament to how not one size doesn't, it never fits all. Um, and like with the alcohol, I think generational, the generational differences, I'm sure we've all had granddads that, you know, they go to work on the morning dinner time they'd be in the pub they'd have a couple of swift halves and then you know straight after work they'd have four five six seven before they go home for the tea and it obviously i'm i'm speaking from what I've, i remember of my granddad's it never seemed to pose a problem it seems more now and i'm wondering if social circles and social standing and and what's going on socially, whether it's social media or whether it's just the news being so readily available to, for you to interpret. I wonder if that has a lot to do with the alcohol then becoming an issue and, and becoming a depressant. Because, like I say, generational times, our granddads and that, they they drink throughout the day. They drink at dinner time, you know, on their lunch break. Um, and it never seemed to be so much of a big issue then. I suppose it's... It's kind of like everyone was then, wasn't they? There was like quite a lot of people that were, and it was more like the social side. And, and you kind of did that. And that that's that's what was done. But I suppose it's about like kind of behind the scenes. You know, we, we no one knows what's what's going what's going on, and people didn't tend to to talk about it as much back then. It was like kind of. Oh well, that, that's that's what happens. That's what's always happened, and that's what will carry on happening. But I suppose things are kind of a bit different now. Well, you know, you know, like the way we deal with people, like you say, with cannabis and cocaine and stuff like this. If if you've got like a group of people that are better with it, a group of people better without it, it's obviously all still illegal. Um, but how do how do you deal with that as as a as like a structure, say as the NHS and stuff? How do you deal with that? Because it's not like you can get used to. It's like the British with the weather. It's not like you can get used to one kettle of fish. You have to sort of you have to adopt to individual specs, or at least get them to tick. I don't know seventy five percent of the boxes in order to receive that treatment. It's got to be a tough. A challenge to be able to offer a, a universal um, system, but with individual, you know, catering for the individuals. Yeah. That's the thing with mental health. It's not an exact science. It's not like if you've got 
um, kidney disorder, you take this medication and that's the best medication. And that's going to work for everybody. Or if you break your leg, you can put it in the cast for this amount of time and you can have this surgery and do that physio and it's going to get better. Everyone's different. Yeah. And it's not like one size fits all. There's no one medication. You can get someone that comes in depressed and you give them sertraline, doesn't work. And they give them a different medication, that doesn't work. And then maybe the third one does, same with psychosis. There's lots of antipsychotics. There's lots of different methods. Some people have tablets. Some people have to have injections. You know, so it's kind of, and there's lots of different medications within those categories. And one medication that works for someone brilliantly, the next person, have no effect whatsoever. So it's about that kind of a bit of trial and error that you can start someone on medication. You may be three, four weeks down the line, you're like, it's not making a difference. So then you have to try something else. Mm. And that's what like some people struggle with as well. It's like, well, I've come into hospital or I've come to get help. You give me medication. It's not doing anything. Why isn't it doing it? Because it's Ben's health and it's different. That Because it's about the chemicals in your brain and it's about tailoring things so that people can so that you know you'll get better it's not just one medication is going to sort it out or one treatment plan going to sort it out i think we as we as a people are i think we need to look at you know kev's always said about like children going in in the schools early and getting it in the minds and i think we as a people we need to be able to get get ourselves to a point in you know social standings the way we don't have to rely on on a system like yourselves and and you guys would be there more as a crutch for the ones that couldn't be saved you know in the earlier stages but i think as a people we can all do better to be better um i think we put too much reliance on on things like the nhs and, and like mental health charities and stuff like that of of being the curers of our problems um instead of just being being there for each other and like kev's always said you know, we, we're not qualified, but we're experienced. I think if we if we could all do that and then use like the NHS and things like that as more of a crutch rather than, you know, this big juggernaut we're expecting to say, you know, save absolutely everyone on the planet because it's not going to work. Is in you guys are going to be under so much, so much pressure to try and like you say the trial and error. It all takes time, and it, it's got to lead to frustration with you personally. I mean, how do you deal with that personally when? You know, if things don't go all to plan at work, uh, it's. I suppose this. But I've always been good at like kind of switching off that I can kind of have. Thing uh, I work and then home, and it doesn't really kind of uh, try not to overlap. Obviously, there's times where it is, and it's about being have having that kind of support network as well that of like colleagues and family and friends and stuff that you can talk to about about things I mean particularly like in mental health we're always very big on reflective practice that you if things haven't gone well then you kind of debrief and you reflect on what's happened why it happened how you can make things better next time what you're going to do differently next time so that you've you can kind of learn learn from your mistakes and and that, that's a, a big thing. And, but like you said about that, there the needs to be that kind of, 
that it's not all the NHS, it's not all the, the professionals. It's about looking after each other as well. Because that's the first stage. The first stage of support and help is talking, and talking to people around you. If you can't deal with things, if you can't sort things out yourself, that's when you that's when you go to the professionals and you say about going to schools and that's a big thing at the mo- at the moment with mental health is about prevention and early intervention and making having the interventions and having the support in the in the community so people don't have to go into hospital because there isn't there isn't enough beds there isn't really going to ever be enough beds so there needs to be a switch in the way that services work and that there's a big outreach to the community and about early intervention and getting into schools and education about mental health so that we I mean, early recognition, early treatment, early support and it stops you getting further down, down the pathway into inpatient settings. I suppose a good thing that's going to come out of this, uh, of these lockdowns and, and what's going on at the moment is not a good. It's an awkward. One. So, so there's going to be a lot more people who've gone through a mental health issue because of what's gone on. And hopefully they will have a more, more understanding for people who suffer and it'll open up everyone to talk more. I think people will talk more, definitely. I mean, your background's okay. rugby, isn't it, Sean? Playing for DK and, like, you know, the rugby players like boxing, these big, monstrous men. And how was it like getting them to talk? Has that been better over the last how many years? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I, I, I think that, like you said, like, rugby's a, 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 a macho sport that it's like you, you just get on with things. You know, you don't really um, see a bit of, like, um, you know, you just get on with things, you don't talk about it, you don't seek help, whereas that's changed now. It's like people aren't afraid to talk about their issues. You know, I, I, I've noticed in my, in my circle of friends that now it's like you check on each other, you make sure that people are right, you ask, you just say, oh, are you all right? Especially like now, where you don't really speak to each other that much you don't really see each you're not really seeing each other but you just say well you're all right if you know if you ever need anything or you ever need a chat or anything then you can always come and talk to her and you know people are there for each other and they do talk about the problems a bit more now than than in the past especially men especially Yeah. Do you think we're drawn into? Do you think we're drawn into like a false sense of um, a false sense of treatment in some ways with with like the social media thing? Because some people do reach out, you know, via social media when they're having issues, and then they'll get a couple or three or five or seven people comment. Um, do you, and speaking from experience with that, or from from what I've seen of people, I find that often leads to being a false sense of treatment because they get that initial or oh, someone's taking someone's taking note but as soon as they come off the app or they come off the phone it, it's almost as if that's only valid why the conversation's going on on the app um so do you think people take to like the social media things looking for that treatment or looking for that help 
and then that's only valid why it's on there. Because from what I've seen of people, it almost seems like we, we're drawn into a false sense of treatment. Yeah, I think you can. It's that kind of instant validation, isn't it? That kind of instant that the, the feelings or whatever I'm thinking that there's someone thinking the same or that, that validation, that re, that quick reassurance, but how much substance is there? I agree with you, how much substance is there behind the, 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 that validation, the, those comments? I mean, how many of those people... If you if you put something on Facebook, I mean, I, I barely post anything on social media. Um, a few photos on Instagram, that's about it. But um, how many of those people... If, if I saw something on, on Facebook that someone put on and I was concerned, I'm not going to comment so everyone else can see it. I'm going to ask yeah. them if they're like privately. You know, I'm going to say, what, you know, get into a dialogue with them. And I mean, that happened recently to someone that I know and ended up ended up speaking to them and I hadn't, I hadn't spoken to, to them for years. But it's... It's that if, if you want to find out and you really want to support someone, you don't do it in, in front of a crowd, do you? You know, if you stand at the pub and there was 10 of you and one of you said something, you wouldn't go over in front of everyone and go, oh, everyone, be quiet. I'm just going to talk to Kev while you all listen. No. <laughs> you, you get, you, you put your arm, man, you take it to sides and go, oh, you're all right. So it's, I suppose it's, it, it's that kind of, and I mean, people got 500, 300, 500 friends on Facebook. I wonder how many of those I actually speak to. Mate, it's, it, and that's the thing, it's just because you want a friendly still met your friend. I think I had somewhere around that, and I don't know, I had about 500 on, and if I spoke to one to three of them, that's all it was, and I've since deleted all my social medias, but I think that was a great example what you said. You know, if you see someone having a problem in a pub, or looking down, you wouldn't stop the whole pub from conversating to bring light to you, you helping. And I think, and I think that's that's an important analogy to use when you're talking about stuff like that because you don't have to let it be known. And I think the breach of confidence when people do talk to people that are more like that. And I find it's always the people that are there. I'm here for you any time of the day. You can call any time of the day. You know, between nine and free Monday to Friday and you think well there ain't any time of the day you know I'll help you if you're depressed just try not to make it an inconvenient time for me and I, I feel like a lot of that happens but people take to it and like you say they get that instant gratification that someone's listening but then there's no substance behind it and then it, it, it just flares out and then the next hour or the next day then back to square one and I feel that we put too much reliance on people that we don't know in the public domain, they're probably only commenting to make it look like, oh, a better comment just in case. And that's not to speak for everyone. You know, I'm not saying everyone's like that. I don't want to discredit anyone that's that's true behind their their motives for that. But I just think we all need to be more careful on on the treatment we seek because sometimes it could be the very poison that's that's harming us. Yeah, I mean, it's social media to me, it's it's. It's a mechanism to keep keeping in contact with some people and kind of socialise, but I think some people use it as a, a counselling session or something. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. to me, it's just it's just not healthy. It's 
there's there's so much happening in social media these days. I mean, the amount of like footballers and stuff being racially abused and stuff each each week, and it's like it's that the anonymous, it's that faceless being able to say whatever you want and not being held to account. So if people are doing that and being abusive and just nasty for the sake of it, then why do you think it's any different when people are trying to be nice? And there's no yeah, filter, it's, is there? It's you know, yeah. it's almost as if like channel channel one to five. If there's news on channel five, you know you don't like that station or the news they portray. You just don't turn to channel five at that time. Whereas Facebook, you could have three hundred friends or whatever. They'll post random stuff that even though you think, oh, I'm not taking that in, I'll just ignore it. You've still seen it. Your subconscious has, and there's no filter. The filter's not there. And, I mean, we always dog social media, don't we? Us. Especially on this podcast, we've all we're more quite dinosaurs and relics in in the respect that none of us like it. Um, but but it's the on way about, of life. What about social media? Have we had any comments? Yeah, We we have, but uh, no direct questions. Just some nice nice comments that I've been bringing up on the screen. Um, but yeah, yeah. Thank you for everyone who's commented. On social media. <laughs> on social media. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we don't like social media, media apart from our podcast. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Think... Get rid of everything else. Just, just sign up with us. Um, we also have a new website. Well, well, while, we're on, while we're on pushing the podcast. There we go. That's displayed at the bottom. So www.theblackcountryblokes.co.uk and we have some items for sale on there as well. The the lovely uh, t-shirts we wear, hats and um, hoodies. All and the money, all the oh yeah, that's it. All the profits <laughs> go back into the podcast and back into the men's support group. So please go on there and, and buy some of our stuff. On about the support group, Lee, do you want to flash it up? Yeah, bear with me, mate. This is every Wednesday at the Lions Boxing Club in partnership with Lions ABC, obviously, and to the care where we'll be going uh, 7 p.m. till 9 p.m. every Wednesday. Once we get into the real world, we'll be doing like a half an hour chat, half an hour to 45 minutes boxing, and then we'll finish on the chat. You know, get them endorphins going, get the conversation flowing, and let's make each other better. Because Sean rightly said, this has got to start within the community. And then if the, the problems are so severe that we have to go into the system, that, that's what the system's there for. But if we can be doing our job on the ground floor to help one another, hopefully then we haven't got to go down that route. Or if we do, it is urgent. Uh, yeah, and obviously, if you could send an email in, the email's there. Email in just um, within 24 hours before you come, just to make sure that we're all COVID secure. Back over to you, Sean. So, um, obviously, give your brother a shout out. He was jealous that you've been on twice. And I had to remind him he's been on twice. But he, he went into a soap with me yesterday. He goes, How can we got my brother on twice? I went, Pete, you've been on twice. He goes, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah he did. He did uh, the one at the club. Then he did um, the elephant in the room about race. So. Oh, of course he did. That's the one else. I'm glad I remember. Pete, no one else remembers being on twice. <laughs> yeah. I say, remember where you were. I remember Sean was on there, Pete. Oh, but by the way, yeah. Thanks for doing the photos when you got time, bruv. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that can be his third time on, Kev, just not on air. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but as you say, Sean, you've said like 
hopefully we are moving forward. As long as, even if it's two steps forward, one step back, we're still one step more forward. And I hope we can keep growing in this way. So our kids, by the time they're our age, hopefully they'll be happier. You know, it'll be more common practice of just being able to talk. Yeah, it's, it's like I say, it's just so important that things you can resolve things at a lower level. Having seen so many people that are so unwell, you know, at the, at the sharp end of mental health, it's it's not nice. It's not. It's not a place that you want to be. Trust me. It's not. It, I mean, don't get me wrong. Inpatient care, everyone's there to to help and do everything they can. But if you can get the same treatment or similar treatment at home before it gets bad, that's definitely that's the way to, to be. You know, arrange your family, arrange your support network. That, that you know, you can get that kind of treatment at home and stop people either coming to mental health services in the first place or getting so far down the pathway that they end up in hospital because, um, yeah, it's it's not a system that you want to be going round and round in, really. You know, it's... Right, if you can a, get, the, get the help early. The, yeah, there's, there's an old quote by, I think he's Sun Tzu, um, in The Art of War, and... You might think, how does that relate to this? But I think it was along the lines, I'll probably butcher it now, but it was along the lines of all wars are won before they even reach the battlefield. And I think that that, that can relate to mental health in many ways, as in like we can all be better before we're forced to have to get better. Um, and a lot of the time, if we just take notice of each other and we listen to each other and we communicate, which is is a lost art form. You think communication's talking, but it's not. It's listening and understanding. And I think if we can just initiate those basic, you know, those basic concepts of human beings of, of communication, I think we we could all do better to not, you know, take the weight off your guys' shoulders and the NHS shoulders and. And just help people not have to get into that cycle. We can be better before we have to get better. Mm. I mean, it's like, who would you who would you rather talk to? Who would you rather talk to your friend? Or would you rather talk to someone that doesn't even know you? You know, that that's 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 the way I see things. Sometimes, I mean, it's a, a crude, basic way of putting it. But if people if you've got that support network and you speak to people openly uh, as, as soon as you can, the people that, you know, uh, your friends, your family, then hopefully you can get to the point you can try and resolve some things or make things better but not get as bad as they could do instead of having to go and speak to professionals because sometimes... They are doing everything they can, and they're doing the best assessments they can. But they don't, they don't know you. They, they, they only, they only know what you tell them. So, if someone that knows you really well can can help you out and hopefully point you in the right direction and kind of even support you if you do have to go to professionals, you know, that if you've got them involved at, from the onset, they can kind of help you through those those times and that help you go to assessments because I mean when I used to go when I used to assess people you, 
because it's a big there's a big difference with assessing someone that's just on their own with no support than assess someone that's got the family with them or got the mom or dad or their partner with them that's come along to help them help them out um i know sometimes people don't want to i feel like they're a burden they feel like they're you know the burdening people but i can you know pretty much guarantee that if you've got a, a close friend or a family member, then much rather you said something than not. Mm. So you just sat festering on your own and bottling things up and until things get really bad, rather than, you know, just just tell them. So they'd much rather know. I think, um, I think like, we've... Following on from that, what you said, who would you rather talk to? Um, you know, someone you know or a professional. I think... My son was taking drum lessons um, last last year before the lockdown. He, he just he, he found a new drum tutor, or I found him a new drum tutor, um, and he was my boy was seven. And how I, I, I think that is a perfect example is that drum tutor knew he knew how to play. I don't know how to play drums. The drum tutor knew how to play drums. He could teach him everything else. But what I found the drum tutor couldn't do. And I sat in in all the lessons, and I have to I had to step in a couple of times. He didn't know how to teach my my son. He didn't know how to how like he could make it resonate with him. He could teach him what was in the books and his knowledge, but he didn't know how to get through the barriers that were my son. And every now and then, I'd have to step in and and just say it in a certain way that I knew my boy would understand, um, and then it would click. And I think the added benefit of talking to people you know is they already know how to speak to you. They already know how to communicate with you. And like you say, understand you. Whereas the professional, you may have all the, the knowledge, all the textbook knowledge and the experience with dealing with stuff, but he may, he, he may not know how to get through to you. And I think that drum, like my drum, my boy's drum tutor taught, taught me that. I thought he knows how to play drums and teach him, but we don't know how to get through to him to teach him. But on the flip side to that, though, Craig, I think sometimes um, it's good to have that impartial person because they're not frightened the person you're feeling. Whereas sometimes when you're just talking to a friend, you go, yeah, you're drinking a bit much or, yeah, yeah, you're only doing it every other day. Whereas if you have that impartial person to talk to you, they can speak the truth. And I think the key is with it all, whether talking to your friend or a professional, you've got to accept the courage to accept the help. You've first got to ask for it, then you've got to have the courage to accept it. Yeah, I think yeah. like you say, that the professional can separate logic from emotion. You know, that they're impartial person, whereas your friend may speak from emotion, not necessarily sense from logic, whereas the, the professional person is impartial, so he can speak from a more logical um, sense. I'll get that. Because people are different. So one person learns a certain way and the person likes some people learn from doing. Some people learn from being told what to do. So and it's the same around change and stuff like that that, that I've I've learned over the years. So if you're trying to implement changes services and stuff like that, that some people need to be walked through it. And if you're changing a certain process, you walk them through it, and then when they're doing it, they learn it. Whereas some people want it written down, and that's the way I do it. So it's about how you respond to that, how you learn things. 
how because some people respond well to boundaries. They respond well to saying, don't do this, do that. Whereas other people, that's a totally wrong way to do it. Because so, so, some people who say, don't do that, they're going to go and do it anyway because you're telling them not to. So, so it's about that kind of understanding that that might work for somebody. It's not going to work for everybody. And one of the things I always with mental health is like try and talk to people on the same level. Don't talk down to them. Don't, you know, don't necessarily like put them on a pedestal and let them talk down to you. You know, it's just that kind of on the level in a way that they understand. Because I noticed a lot of lads that were like, some lads that were in like gangs and stuff like that. And they're not going to respond well to you acting like a teacher. They, they, they want you to sit down and speak to them on a level and speak to them like like you're friendly, you're trying to help them, which you are. You know, that's how they want to be spoken to. You're saying like, come on, if we really want to get you well and get you out of here, this is what we're going to have to do. We need to do it together. Whereas some people just be like, no, you can't do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do it, and it just didn't work. Yeah, I think I think like with that, so as people can take something away from what you've just said about people, um, you know, responding to certain things and others respond to it differently. You know, some learn by looking, some learn by what you know, listening. And I think if someone can take something away from that is if you're seeking help or have been seeking help and you've not yet found you know, you've not yet found that help that resonates with you or that you can understand or that you feel is for you. Don't stop looking for it because uh, it just may be that these people are running through the methods that don't suit your personality, but you will find it. So, you know, don't don't give up and stop looking. Or if you know someone who's going through something, maybe just shouting at them saying, for God's sake, stop it or go and get it. Maybe you're not asking in the right way, you know, for that person to go and seek help. Because the only way that we're going to get help is by first accepting we've got a problem then acting upon it. Yeah, it's like they're all saying, mate, is the arm of encouragement. Some need it around the shoulder, some need it around the neck. And, you know, that's just the way it is. Not everyone can be spoke to on a level then, listen, please go here. Some need an F and a Jeff. So as it resonates with them, so as they think, wow, now I'm understanding this language because this is who I am. Um, So just keep looking. You will find something and, you know, you'll get the help. Mm. Yeah, so like horses for courses, not everyone, no one's the same, and not everything's going to work for everybody. So it's just about finding the right, the right thing that's going to work for you. And it is out there. I mean, like, not all mental health is the answer's medication. Some people don't respond to medication. It's about talking therapies and psychology and stuff like that 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 that, that works for them, and then other people it doesn't. But it's about getting the right, the right, the right treatment and the right support. Well, Sean, thank you, bro, for coming on today. Um, while I'm advertising Thursday's show, I want you to have a think. You've done the show before, so you knew this was coming. Have a think while I'm talking about any sayings or quotes either to tell to you or your organisation. So while I'm talking, just have a little think. On Thursday, we've got Alexander Walker coming back on the show. Alexander Walker is a hypnotherapist, and I've worked with him personally, going through some of my problems. And let me tell you, 
there's a lot of bloody problems to get through. I've got more baggage than here for a airport. But he's going to be coming on, talking about the great work that he's doing, and he's also doing something caring for the carers. And that's giving up the carers of the world, whether you've got a disabled partner or husband or mother, and he's giving help to these people because, bloody hell, we've got to look after the carers because if the carers fall, we all fall. So that's same time on Thursday at 7.30. So, Sean, have you got any sayings or expressions that have got you through life? I was just going to like finish on something just around around COVID and yeah. but just to remember that like we're coming like the vaccinations are coming through strong now but this is the start of something else with mental health that there's a lot there's going to be a lot of changes and there's a lot of things there's going to be a lot more demand and stuff of people that will be accessing services so just to keep an eye on your friends keep an eye on your family and when you see them, you might not have seen them for months, but, you know, just find, like, ask them that they're all right and try and support them as best you can because there's going to be a lot of people that have suffered through through these lockdowns and, and aren't as lucky as some of us that have got family and, and friends around them. So just to keep an eye on people. Well, until we see each other next time, Take care of yourselves and each other. Throw a bit. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you'd like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, throw a bit. Listen, listen, listen.